as you say, weaponize it in this in this mm. region. So uh, why did Carrie Lamb raise it then? If it's not an issue, if it's not up for discussion, what, why did she even need to make this statement well, about it? Well, she should have said it two weeks ago and she didn't get the opportunity then, so she probably did it yesterday. And maybe it was a journalist asking her a question because he, he wanted to get the headline. The point about <laughs> dollar weaponization, if we want to call it that, is that it only works when it's kind of used sporadically. If you use it too much, you just create this incentive for China and Russia and others to kind of develop a functional second global reserve <laughs> currency, you know, so it, it sows the seeds of the dollar's demise as the major global reserve currency if you over-rely on it. And I think at least some in the policy-making apparatus are aware of that. Okay, well, thank you for your thoughts. You heard there Quentin Webb, Asia Markets Editor at the Wall Street Journal, Stuart Allcroft, who's Chairman of City Trust, and our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Final look at the markets for this morning. Over in Australia, the ASX 200 is up about 0.8%. In South Korea, the Cosby is up close to 1%. The Nikkei 225 also trading to the upside, not quite as much, up about 0.2%. Looks like the, Hong, uh, the Hang Seng Index in Hong Kong is going to open flat. Gold is at $1,773 an ounce. And Brent crude oil at $42.63 a barrel. There's no Money Talk tomorrow, as it's a public holiday here in Hong Kong for Dragon Boat Day. Money Talk will return on Friday. I'll be here, though, tomorrow morning from 6 to 10 on Radio 3 with a special holiday show with some music, chats and guests. So I hope you can join me for that. Back chats coming up after the news with Hugh Chiverton and Rachel Cartland. The weather forecast uh, for the holiday is it's going to be mainly cloudy with isolated showers, sunny periods today during the day, maximum temperature of about 32 degrees. And then the outlook is for a few showers in the next couple of days, mainly fine during the weekend. It's 30 degrees right now, 78% relative humidity. The Times 8.32, Todd Harding has the half-hour news. The chairwoman of the Confederation of Trade Unions, Carol Ng, is urging the government to come up with a third anti-epidemic relief fund to help those people who missed out on benefits in the first two rounds of subsidies. Although the government has ruled out jobless benefits for people who've lost their jobs recently, Ms Ng says the government doesn't understand the problems facing people at the grassroots level. They, they just don't want to spend any more money. They're expecting the upcoming $10,000 issuing to the public. They're able to assist at certain points. But we can see that it's totally two different ideas. And don't forget, and some of these employers already benefit from the epidemic funds. They will get double benefits again from these $10,000 of public money again. So I think the government needs to reconsider how to distribute more evenly and equally to those the top U.S. health official for infectious diseases, Anthony Fauci, has denied that President Trump asked White House experts to slow down coronavirus testing. Mr. Trump told a rally at the weekend that he'd made the request because America was carrying out too many tests. But Dr. Fauci, alongside several other leading health officials at a congressional hearing, insisted the president had never issued such an order. I, as a member of the task force, and my colleagues on the task force, to my knowledge, I know for sure, but to my knowledge, none of us have ever been told to slow down on testing. That just is a fact. Some Republicans have suggested Mr. Trump's comments were made in jest, but he has since told reporters he wasn't joking. 
Back locally, and former chief executive C.Y. Leung has said no country in the world would tolerate its own people asking another country to place sanctions on it, saying national security legislation was needed to stop just that. Speaking at an online forum in support of the national security law, Mr. Leung, who's now a vice chairman of Beijing's top advisory body, the CPPCC, said some lawmakers and what he called small politicians had gone to the United States or Taiwan four times to ask for intervention. He didn't name the people involved. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chivas and your co-host today is Rachel Carton. Rachel, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. We're talking today about secrecy and the drafting process of the national security legislation. Tam Yu Chung has said the law should be kept confidential before it's made public. The South China Morning Post reported the full draft of the law will only be made public after the law is passed. And Carrie Lam has admitted she hasn't seen the full draft of the legislation, but said the city still badly needed a national security law. As Edge Co-President Andrew Lung refused to reveal details of his recent closed-door meetings with the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, MPC deputies have also refused to discuss their input. What are the reasons for this lack of transparency? Is it fair to ask Hong Kong to support a law it's not allowed to see? Meanwhile, senior mainland officials met 120 representatives from Hong Kong society yesterday, including Anthony Neo, the head of the I. PCC and issued a statement afterwards saying those invited unanimously expressed support for the legislation as well as its speedy implementation. Opposition figures were not invited. Let us know your thoughts on developments. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us, and our telephone number is 233-88266. If you want to join the conversation, you are very welcome, 233-88266. Uh, joining us now, we have Professor Bing Ling, Associate Director Director of the Centre for Asian and Pacific Law at the Law School of the University of Sydney, and Andrew Lung, international and independent China strategist and a former Director General of Social Welfare. Fernando Chung, legislator, will be joining us uh, after the news uh, at nine. Once again, our email address is backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, just a few emails, maybe to start with, uh, on uh, uh, different topics. Uh, Andrew K are on the virus, drawing attention to uh, more cases. Uh, arriving from uh, Pakistan. Uh, Andrew Kay says, how about we deny entrance to anyone from Pakistan? Kim says, hello, RTHK Backchat. I'm appalled that one of your... This is with the subject line, Mr. Bowen does not represent local Hong Kong people. Uh, hello, RTHK Backchat. I'm appalled that one of your listeners, a Brit, made speaking sweeping statements about the local Hong Kongers considered to be the social contract during colonial rule and after the SAR has been established on your show yesterday. He's entitled to his opinions, but his personal opinions are his. But I doubt that he knows what millions of local Hong Kong people consider to be the social contract or the mandate to govern this city. He cannot even represent the views of British expats. I personally know some who are sick of arrogant, racist, fellow Brits who try to impose their own values and opinions on other groups. Some Brits are now heeding the call from American activists to reject racism and colonialism. Uh, when pan-democrats and activists like Jimmy Lai hijack public opinions, they would declare Hong Kong people want this, Hong Kong people reject that. We can smell it from a while away when political
political figures claim to do everything in the name of Hong Kong people, to bargain with foreign powers for their own political standing, to get Western media attention or to seek asylum or protection. Mr Bowen can only represent himself. He cannot represent local Hong Kong people and he cannot represent me. Colonialism is finished. Some individuals can choose to live in the past, but Hong Kong as a society is moving into the future. That comes from Kim. Uh, Kim, I should point out that uh, Bowen is his first name, uh, that in fact he's Chinese ethnicity and he's not British. Uh, also, uh, another comment. This is from uh, <coughs> Anthony, who says, uh, Carrie Lam has given us assurance uh, only yesterday on the Hong Kong dollar peg. Reassuring, right. Show me bank. I'm cashing out. She is, as we know, the ultimate bellwether. As I say, <laughs> it comes from Anthony. Bank chatter.thk.hk is our, is our he, email address. Here, Carrie, do the opposite. The <laughs> message from that last email seems to be. Uh, good morning, Professor Ling. Um, I wonder if we could ask you the basic question is what's going on now in hong kong with this new national security legislation uh the end of one country two systems well uh good morning uh, thank you for having me uh the national uh, security law uh, of beijing uh from what has been uh, disclosed to us so far uh, seems to uh, depart from uh, several uh, provisions of the basic law. Uh, it uh, uh, obviously changed the original uh, arrangement to have Hong Kong making national security law on its own. And uh, we are also told that uh, the new law may reserve jurisdiction in a uh, quote-unquote small number of cases for China, and that is uh, uh, different from uh, the basic law, which says Hong Kong courts should have jurisdiction over all cases uh, in Hong Kong. So uh, it obviously uh, uh, departs from uh, the basic law in uh, uh, several respects. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, it, it, it uh, is designed to address uh, what Beijing uh, perceives as threats to China's national security. Uh, and Beijing is trying to say that uh, no countries uh, can tolerate uh, threats to national security. Uh, uh, so uh, we, I, th I suppose we shall see. Uh, what is happening right now is the total lack of transparency uh, in the legislative process leading up to its passage uh, uh, down the road. I think all the indications so far seem to be very unsettling. Yeah, and we've had Andrew Lee, uh, the first Chief Justice in Hong Kong, one of the most widely respected figures within our city and also internationally coming out and expressing reservations, something that he doesn't normally do. So I think we can all indeed feel, as you say, unsettled. Is there any international recourse um, it, it, people talk about the um, joint declaration and so on as a, an international treaty, that there are international treaty arrangements between the UK and China over the fate, fate of Hong Kong. Uh, what, what could be expected of the family of nations? John Declaration is a treaty uh, binding on UK and China uh, over Hong Kong. Uh, the Chinese government actually uh, never denies that it is a treaty. Uh, 
It, however, has insisted that the joint declaration has essentially fulfilled its historical mandate. It's it's already uh, being performed uh, in effect, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore it does not have any uh, uh, residual uh, uh, force or, or, or value today. Uh, whereas, if you only need to look at the joint declaration, the commitments that China makes, uh, including. Uh, the commitment to the judicial independence uh, of Hong Kong, the full protection of rights and freedoms of Hong Kong residents. These are all uh, written clearly uh, in the Joint Declaration. And these commitments, according to the Joint Declaration, according to China uh, itself, uh, will be valid for at least 50 years. So to say that the Joint Declaration is over, it's, uh, it's already been performed, it's just not uh, consistent with the language of the treaty itself. But on the other hand, the Joint Declaration says nothing uh, about dispute resolution, says nothing about uh, monitoring or supervision or implementing uh, the commitments uh, against China or, or, or UK. At this moment, uh, there is no formal international recourse that is available to uh, enforce uh, the Joint Declaration against China. You can have other states expressing concerns, and uh, you may even have some international organizations like the G7, uh, uh, again, uh, calling out on China to respect uh, the Joint Declaration. But again, uh, we don't even see the national security law yet. Uh, we have already seen some uh, not so good signs. But could there be more uh, coming? Uh, I think we can't know uh, until we actually see the text. Is that speed and, and the lack of transparency, the very, very limited uh, consultations and inverted commas and, and so on, is that unusual? Is, is that par for the course for making laws in, in, in the mainland? Is it just the way that anywhere national security laws would be done? Is, it, is there a particular objective in mind? Well, the, uh, the total lack of transparency in this case is actually a... Uh, a far cry from the normal legislative process uh, in China. Uh, in China, the legislative process is governed by a statute. It's called legislation law, which explicitly requires uh, the legislature to solicit uh, comments and opinion uh, from all walks of life and from the public uh, at large. And this is actually done uh, in respect to almost all laws uh, made in China in the past uh, 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 eight or nine years, uh, there have been very few exceptions in which uh, a law would be passed without its draft being made uh, to the public and public comments being sought. Uh, now, we don't know how this bill uh, is going to proceed uh, there is going to be a second uh, uh, discussion of this law by the standing committee, uh, I think, in a few, uh, in one week's time. Uh, will the law be passed on the next uh, 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 legislative meeting, or will the law actually be made uh, 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 available to the public and, and, and public comments be, uh, to be sought? 
before the legislature will come back and and, and vote on the law. That that is still uh, uh, unknown. Uh, uh, so what I can say is that uh, uh, what is happening here uh, is quite extraordinary, uh, even uh, from the point of view of Chinese law. Uh, and in fact, it is going to be very bad for China because this law is going to be implemented and enforced in Hong Kong uh, without uh, having this law uh, being seen and, and, and without... Uh, uh, soliciting uh, comment, especially dissenting views from Hong Kong, uh, you're, you're going to have difficulty uh, in actually implementing the law uh, when it is made. You're going to lack credibility and public support of the law when it is uh, uh, made. So uh, to have this kind of uh, well, uh, uh, unless your object, unless your object yeah. is to is to uh, demonstrate your power. Uh, unless your your intention is to, I mean, the faster and more brutal, the better, because the intention is to flex your muscles <clears throat> to show that you can do yeah. this. And and I think we've also well, got to wonder what those hundred and twenty so-called Hong Kong representatives were doing by staying silent. Yeah, that's uh, that, that, that's what happened yesterday. I, mm. I was told uh, that. It seems that uh, right now, even the chief executive and secretary for justice uh, have not seen the text. Now, how can you consult the views of 120 or no matter how, how many uh, people without actually showing them the law itself? Uh, so it's, this, this is a, a, a mystery. I mean, I, I take the point that the uh, central authorities wants to uh, show who is the boss here. But on the other hand, in terms of the people who are actually doing this work, in terms of those uh, uh, officials in the legislature, the officials in the Hong Kong Macau Affairs Office and so on, it would not be only to be opposed by the vast majority of Hong Kong people. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Mr. Uh, Deng Zhonghua, who is the uh, vice director of the Hong Kong Macau Affairs Office, says that uh, uh, the legislative process would be fully complied with. He says we are going to do everything to go through all the legislative procedures. Well, I, I suppose uh, we'll just have to wait and see if the law is going to be adopted without its text being made for public comments, then a major law of China itself uh, would have been breached. Okay, and, and Andrew Leung, good morning to you. Good morning. And thanks for, for joining us. Uh, uh, is it fair to ask Hong Kong to support a law it's not allowed to see, or is fairness not the point? Well, I think let's address the question. Uh, why all of a sudden this law, and why is it uh, seems to be speeding up? Now, according to various reports, um, the concept of this law was first conceived uh, almost at the height uh, of the um, anti-exhibition bill protest movement, probably around October last year. Now, um, I think that all, after all these years, well, let's face it, um, until now, until perhaps last year, um, one country, two systems seems to be functioning relatively well. And then, of course, Hong Kong has enjoyed a very high rating in international uh, uh, freedom index, uh, almost the top of the league. Um, so to say that the one country, two system has been derailed, 
um, at least until um, the anti-extradition bill um, protests and all the violence and break down law and order uh, is not necessarily true. But obviously, I think that uh, all indications point to the fact that Beijing feels being pushed into a corner. And then there is an emerging uh, kind of um, almost emergency to get this done uh, quickly because um, it seems that there is more and more open, fragrant uh, promotion of independence. Um, and then uh, the young people seem to have lost totally the sense of nationhood. Uh, and then there is perceived um, uh, invitation, uh, direct invitation, open invitation for foreign interference. Um, and then from uh, hostile foreign powers, um, now at the age, at, at this era um, of 360 degrees pushback against China. So I think all these uh, factors point to the fact that there is, uh, everything has come to a head. Um, and that's why things are, and, and you can see that um, uh, the, the top leaders of the Hong Kong and Macau office is now holding rapidly a series of consultations within quotation marks, uh, a dozen of them, within a couple of days. Um, this all suggests that, um, and, and then quite exceptionally, uh, two meetings of the standing committee of the National People's Congress um, have been con convened uh, within a couple of weeks. This has never done before. This uh, shows that um, things are moving to a head, and then um, it's quite probable the law will be signed to law by President Xi um, after the, the next meeting uh, of the National People's Congress Standing Committee starting this weekend. I'd like to ask you and Professor Ling, uh, is the assumption now then that Hong Kong's own legislative council is going to be completely bypassed, that there will be no attempt to uh, put the law through the LegCo in any way? Professor Ling, what do you think about that? Ah, sorry, I think we uh, may... will be applied in Hong Kong uh, by promulgation. So in other words, uh, there is going to be no uh, action from the Legislative Council uh, that is necessary. Uh, however, uh, Beijing has indicated that the Article 23 responsibility, which is for Hong Kong to enact its own national security law, uh, that obligation is still there. So in other words, presumably the LegCo will uh, still be uh, required to pass uh, its own national security law, uh, obviously not to uh, compete with or not to uh, depart from the central uh, law, uh, but to cover certain areas of national security uh, that uh, uh, are not covered by the central law. There are still a couple of uh, uh, crimes uh, that the central law uh, will not deal with, and presumably the LegCo will still have to make a law at some point uh, to cover that. Uh, and therefore the explanation for the rush, in just in case uh, uh, a highly democratic uh, LegCo gets elected in September, huh? Uh, well, uh, as far as this law is concerned, uh, because it is not going to involve the LegCo, uh, so strictly speaking, they don't need to rush it. Uh, the LegCo can do uh, nothing about this law. But I suppose one thing that is being uh, calculated is that if the law is adopted before the September electoral election, 
it may have an impact on the election, perhaps uh, in a way uh, that Beijing would like to see. Now, uh, <laughs> exactly what kind of impact that would be, I think, uh, is still very much uh, up in the air. But arguably. Uh, 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 Andrew Lung, what about the, I mean, just to go back to my question, the, I mean, the, you're not, Hong Kong is not allowed, the chief executive is not allowed to see this law. Um, it's very unusual, to say the least, to demand this level of support for a law you're not allowed to see. Well, I mean... Uh, well, why I is mean, that? Well, I mean, what's the thinking? Why, why, why couldn't you do this and still allow people to see the law? Well, I think the principle uh, Beijing want, wants to maintain is that this um, uh, law on national security is Beijing's responsibility, as, as indeed uh, with any country. National security is dealt with um, at the highest uh, level in the country. Um, and secondly, um, there is no reason, uh, it, 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 it requires no imagination uh, to think that what the legislators, Hong Kong uh, democracy legislators, and, and a lot of Hong Kong people feel about this law, bearing in mind the experience of the former attempt to enact Article 23. So I think that but this by, is, uh, by, by not uh, showing uh, it to them, do you change people? Does, does that attitude change? No, I think that the, the uh, it's not so much the uh, the letter of the law. Of course, the, the the Beijing can see that trying to go over several steps. Um, indeed, um, according to Chinese law, even though this is uh, what is happening is quite unusual, uh, it's still it's uh, trying to fulfil the minimum requirement that such law at least is discussed twice. Uh, by the National People's Congress Standing Committee, which is now trying to fulfil this kind of requirement, uh, all two sessions. Uh, sorry, sorry, so you, quickly. Uh, sorry, are, are you saying that they they won't make it public because they know people won't like it? Well, you see, um, because of the need to speed it up, uh, actually, uh, the, the the second meeting is only going to happen start this weekend. So if they um, if they showed so, it to people, it would slow it down. <laughs> well, I mean, well, let, let, let's let's address the the the, the, the speed. Um, because uh, if the intention is to pass it by 1st of July, there's simply no time um, to, to consult the people. Now, as I said... That but but even a, to a show it to people, even to... Even make to sure even um, there, are, there are various safeguards that follow. For example, the principles about um, um, a due process, a presumption of innocence and various other things. And uh, they're, they're, they're made quite clear, even in the... Um, news coming out from the National People's uh, Congress Standing Committee. Okay, but well, well in, in, let's take your case, that, for example. I, mean, uh, do you, I don't think it's going to be published uh, before implementation. Apparently not. Uh, do, you, do you support this legislation? Uh, are you asking me? Yes. Absolutely. Okay, because, okay because, so well, I, okay, why are you supporting me, something me, you can't... Why. Yeah, why are you supporting something you're yeah, not allowed to read? That's important. You, you must allow me to explain. Mm, yeah, please. Um, because, as I said, one country, two system has been um, functioning relatively well until this um, is, 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 is major kind of uh, confrontation, a major kind of breakdown of law and order, and also um, involvement of uh, hostile foreign uh, uh, forces threatening I understand you you no. see that you see a need for such legislation but don't but you know you wouldn't sign a, a blank check a blank check this is, doesn't this amount well, to signing a blank, blank check. check I mean uh, obviously um, um, uh, the various processes have got to be followed first of all um, I think that uh, you, you find that uh, well no it's not a blank check but it's a check that you have to sign with your eyes closed <laughs> 
those attempt to at least uh, incorporate um, some of the safeguards in Hong Kong's law. Now, let's not forget the national security law is the law in, in Beijing. Um, but, but I think that at the end of the day, if this law serves to maintain um, stability, restore law and order, um, and Hong Kong could... Um, there's going to be a new chapter. But what if it, I, what if it doesn't? Seemed, and it how seems, can you tell whether it does or it, it doesn't? It seems so odd it? to me because I can't understand this coupling with law and order. Because what we actually saw last year was a breakdown in policing. And now it seems that the police are able to get on top of the protesters. And we've already got all those laws against rioting, assault, grievous bodily harm. Well, you can harm. see that we, with all, even with all the laws, what has happened you know, during the past year, um, uh, year of, of, of complete breakdown uh, with fire and fury in, in the streets. Um, but that but was surely because that, the police were well, very good at handling it. Finish this very important point um, that, um, uh, in the eyes of Beijing, um, even the one country two system seems to be functioning pretty well until last year. Uh, there is an increasing worry uh, that the one country has been hollowed out. There is only two systems. There is no no more one country. It was the interest, the basic interest of the one country, have been completely sidelined, even even to the point of threatening national security. Now, I think most of the people in Hong Kong are very pragmatic. Uh, everybody wants uh, complete democracy. But I don't think that you need complete democracy to live happily, as in the case of even during colonial times, right? You don't need complete democracy to live happily. I think that's the, that's the, the, the feeling, uh, I think, of most people in Hong Kong. Okay. Um, well- We've got a break for the for the news at uh, nine o'clock, but uh, we we will be back. Uh, Andrew Lung will be sticking around, uh, and we'll also be joined by Fernando Chang. We say goodbye for the moment to Professor Bing Ling. Thank you very much indeed, Associate Director of the Centre for Asian and Pacific Law at the Law School of the University uh, of Sydney. Once again, uh, do join in. You can call two three three eight eight two six six to do that, or you can comment on our Facebook page, or you can drop us an email backchat at rthk dot hk. I'll do our best to read it out. Uh, the weather mainly cloudy with isolated showers. And it's going to be hot, sunny periods during the day. Temperatures up to 32 degrees. 30 degrees, the latest readings, and the relative humidity is now at 78%. Back in three minutes' time. Involved. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chats on a Wednesday morning with Rachel Cartland and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking further about the proposed national security legislation, the issue uh, in particular of the, of the process, the uh, uh, drafting process and the secrecy uh, surrounding that, which is very striking. Carrie Lam has said that uh, she hasn't seen a full draft of the uh, legislation. It's widely reported that the full draft won't be available until the law is actually uh, passed. Uh, and uh, recently, or oh, yesterday, uh, senior mainland officials uh, met uh, some 120 representatives uh, from uh, Hong Kong, including uh, Anthony Neo, the head of the IPCC. Uh, They issued a statement saying that those invited unanimously expressed support for the legislation. Uh, We're talking about the uh, implications, the motivations, uh, any aspects you like. Uh, We have with us Andrew Leung, international and independent China strategist, former director general of social welfare. And we're also joined now by Fernando Cheung, the Labour Party lawmaker. Uh, You can express your opinions by emailing backchat at rthk.hk We'll do our best to read out your messages, or you can comment on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, or best of all, join in by calling us on 233-88266. That's their number. You can talk directly to our guests. Some uh, emails. Uh, Alan, just responding to what we've just 
been hearing actually in the uh, news, uh, quotes the news uh, saying, CY Lung has said no country in the world would tolerate its own people asking another country to place sanctions on it, saying national security legislation was needed to stop just that, unquote. Alan says this is a bald-faced lie. Can he or anyone name a country, aside from North Korea perhaps, that has such laws? No. He's referring to Hong Kongers like Joshua Wong, who have testified in the US about human rights in Hong Kong. They don't dictate what the US does. Punishing people for simply giving opinions on matters of public knowledge proves that Hong Kong's human rights have indeed deteriorated. In practice, what CY is saying is that anyone who talks to any foreign government, directly or indirectly, can be imprisoned if at any time in the in the future that country offends China. That's uh, from uh, Alan. Um, Professor Peterson from the University of Hawaii, formerly of the University of Hong Kong Law Department, says um, on possible actions in the UN, although there is no dispute resolution clause in the joint declaration, there are still steps that the UN can take to pressure China to comply with the joint declaration. For example, the UN Human Rights Committee is about to commence its review of Hong Kong's fourth periodic report on its implementation of the ICCPR. The committee will likely adopt its list of issues for the review in July of this year and schedule the public hearing for some time in 2021. By that time, we will have more information on the new criminal offences and the enforcement processes. The committee's hearing on Hong Kong will be broadcast over UN Web TV and all of the documents associated with the review will be published on the UN's website. It's also possible for the UN General Assembly to seek an advisory opinion from the International Court of Justice on the question of whether Beijing's treatment of Hong Kong since 1997 complies with its obligations under international law. ICJ advisory opinions are not binding, but they can have significant persuasive value and would help to keep the international spotlight on Hong Kong, as I say, from uh, Professor Carol Peterson. Tony, who says not to be confused with Anthony, Tony says, Dear Backchat, why are we wasting time discussing the mindset of the Beijing regime and its secrecy? That's what autocratic regimes do. Duh. Uh, and uh, Richard, oh, this is Richard S, says uh, the guest phoning in saying the new law would lack public support. Of course, it's a complete override of the system and the collaborators did a great job in selling us out without any resistance. Well done, Anthony, and your blue types in playing your part in the great sellout. You truly are in denial of your role helping the CCP. The Hong Kong police will soon be bypassed too by new institutions. Karma indeed. I think that's a reference to uh, Anthony Neo, as to say from uh, Richard S. Thank you very much indeed. Backchatter.thk.hk, our address. Well, we've now got Fernando Jung with us. Fernando, of course, from the Democratic uh, side. Uh, how do you think that um, your kind of uh, part of Hong Kong is going to react to what's been happening? We've seen silence from uh, the people who were invited uh, yesterday to apparently comment on the law. What, what, what will the Democrats do, do you think? Well, first of all, we certainly will object to the law uh, in a way that um, that has been in total secret, and that uh, it seems to be giving power to uh, the executives and to the central government to undermine our judicial independence, to undermine the one country, two system framework, and basically violate the basic law. Um, and. Uh, of course, this is what an autocratic regime would do. But having been living in an open and free society, we cannot just simply say that, well, we know all along 
that this is what the true colors of the communists. Now, we were all hoping that under the protection of the basic law and the free, uh, one country, two systems, uh, we would at least have a separation of governance. Uh, affairs that do not relate to national defense or foreign relations would pretty much rest within the Hong Kong system. And that maintaining the judicial independence is of vital importance to Hong Kong um, being um, be able to maintain as a financial center. Um, and we cannot survive without these basic elements. These are the basic infrastructure for Hong Kong for so many years. Fernandez, uh, so we have to defend it. We have to defend it with all our forces. That's what we should do. But don't you think that the democratic side should accept some responsibility? If we look back to 2003, um, by the end of the day, there was actually a perfectly workable, acceptable draft for the BL23 legislation. Uh, isn't there something to be said for the argument that the Democrats should have been more amenable and got that through either then or in the subsequent uh, almost 20 years? Yeah, Rachel, let's be frank. That option was not a genuine democratic system. It was a pre-screened um, selection of candidates by the central government. Uh, no, no, I'm talking about the uh, 2003 uh, BL23 uh, uh, legislation. You know, we had all this uproar I with... I the article, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and you, you were uh, I'm referring to the opposition that... and the, yeah. the massive movement yeah. that was going against the enactment of Article 23. The government, the government drops it, but they actually yeah. had on the table, funnily enough, quite a reasonable draft at the end of the day, and yet somehow hands never came together during the next almost 20 years to say, okay, let's let's see what we can do and, and, and fulfill this obligation under the basic law. Look, uh, Rachel, um, when you have a free society um, and we were under the perception that... Uh, we were protected by the basic law. Uh, and then the government wanted to enact this law that is highly controversial, that uh, really caused a lot of concerns about how the uh, law can be enforced and how the uh, government is going to interpret the law. Now, um, at the very least, we should say that it was a very controversial law. And whether it was appropriate, uh, uh, the right timing for that law to be enacted was highly questionable. And and now... We've, point, we've ended up we with something a, much worse. Yeah, we have a much worse version of that uh, coming right at the door. Uh, and you're saying that it was because that 20 years or, or uh, some years ago... 17 years ago, yeah. Uh, uh, 17 years ago, uh, we should have uh, enacted that uh, controversial law in order to prevent something uh, bad happening now. I don't think that makes much sense. Um, I don't think anybody objects to having some sort of law to protect national security. 
But people also want to make sure that they have reasonable protection for their basic human rights, uh, the basic liberty, freedom of speech, freedom of press, and so forth. Um, so it is always a chakrabal, uh, a sort of balancing. And when you have the balance tilting towards the uh, negative side, which means that people are in general opposing to the enactment of the law, then the government shouldn't do that. Isn't that the way to govern? And Andrew Leung, what good, uh, what do you have to say to the pan-democratic camp? Well, I think that uh, people say that uh, perfection uh, is the enemy of the good. Um, so in this respect, um, uh, this uh, seems to have been borne out. It's not only the uh, BL23, Article 23, uh, attempt last year, uh, last time. It's also the um, last time that was not too long ago. There was a package for universal suffrage, which should have been accepted. But of course, um, um, my colleague was saying was quite right to say, well, this is not democratic. You can't um, have a package uh, which does not allow people to choose their own chief executive. But that's the reality. The reality is that in this kind of um, mutual distrust, and then with um, quite a few suspected separatists, there's no way that Beijing would have it a free for all. At the most, that they could have to screen the candidates. Now, how can they not have this uh, in this uh, um, um, atmosphere of mistrust? Mm, so I think also the other thing, which um, reality which have to be, uh, seems to have been lost, is the fact that uh, one country and two systems are interactive. Uh, what, the, what do I mean by that? that? That means if Beijing feels more secure in its own core interests, then the more likely it will be more tolerant uh, towards uh, the latitude. Uh, for the two systems, and the vice versa, the the other way around also holds holds true. In other words, the more Beijing feels threatened, the the less tolerant uh, it will be uh, towards the latitude for the two systems. Yeah, that's a calibration um, argument, so that, isn't um, it? Um, mm. uh, we we have to got to grasp the, this, this this issue. So I think that uh, with this um, uh, coming law, uh, even though it's not um, uh, the best thing to do, as I said, Beijing is now been pushed into a corner and is speeding things up. Now, I think that we are facing a new chapter in Hong Kong's um, development. And then even uh, it's not uh, perfect, but I think it's likely to lead to a, a, a period of, of um, relative stability. Um, as I said, I mean, you don't need complete democracy to live happily as in the, in the days of my younger days, in the colonial times. So. Um, I think that this is uh, uh, the new reality. I think that the more people grasp this new reality, um, the, the better would be um, the progress of one country, two system. I think it's also very rare for Beijing to hint at the possibility that one country, two systems could be extended beyond 2047. In fact, you can see that the Chinese wording use, uh, the Chinese wording use is um, in Cantonese, that means uh, going, uh, one country, two system, going steadily and far. Far means the possibility of going beyond 2047. But for this to happen, Beijing needs to feel secured. Okay, so some, uh, some uh, emails, some of which addressed to you, uh, uh, Andrew Lang. Um, let's see. 
Uh, Jay says, this is Hong Kong government gone completely mad or brainwashed. You buy a property or do business, you use the best lawyers to read the small print. This scenario is like the internet. Just get on and sign it and use it without reading the contract. As for the $10,000 handout, you try paying your bills for six months on that. That's government is a pathetic joke. Uh, R says, according to your guest, all the laws we have are ineffective in solving the issues and protests last year. Perhaps you could ask them why he thinks more laws will be the solution. Uh, that comes uh, from uh, R. And uh, Jay also says, why are you promoting Si Mai Lung? He already had his chance at destroying Hong Kong, not listening to anyone. Hong Kong, the land of mushrooms fed on uh, BS. Um, uh, Mr Lung, what, what about that point um, uh, that... Uh, what do we need new laws? Uh, didn't we have laws to address the unrest last year? People were arrested and, and can be charged. Uh, what would the new laws do that those laws didn't? Andrew Lowe? Sorry, are you asking me? Yes. yes oh, I, 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 that's, well, I'm just uh, well, yeah, amplifying okay, um, uh, the, um, the question from the oh, listener. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, well, of course, the, the, the new law is national security law. In other words, uh, in extreme cases... Um, foreign operatives uh, could use Hong Kong as a base for subverting the country. Um, even though the, some of the activities are not carried out, direct subversion is not carried out, but, but it could be planned and operated and, and the whole thing, um, and, uh, Hong Kong is being used as a springboard towards China. Now, uh, of course, national security uh, is the highest uh, priority for any country. Um, I mean, you just go to the CIA and, 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 and the National Security Agency in the United States or any other country. Um, obviously, there are certain um, methods, tactics, um, and, and then um, uh, the, the kind of network is beyond the capacity of Hong Kong. And let's face it, before 1997, um, you know, I've been in Hong Kong long enough and in the Hong Kong government long enough to, to understand um, um, the, the, the kind of um, op, uh, operations uh, in the so-called special branch. It's got nothing to do with Hong Kong necessarily, but it's got to do with the, the interest of the sovereign power. So I think that um, um, one has got to grasp this reality uh, and not be uh, blinded uh, by some of this kind of, uh, uh, some, uh, for, uh, I would say, even false premises. But, but if we look at the reality, despite the many allegations, right. there's so far been no substantial evidence of foreign forces fermenting the protests last year. It does seem to be a Hong Kong homegrown movement. Well, you're quite, you're quite right. Um, but on the other hand, um, it is only fair to say there was a great deal of open aiding and abetting. <laughs> and, and of course, that's in the eyes of Beijing. Uh, and then, as I've seen, happening at a time where there's a 360 degrees pushback against um, um, China. But, but so what, I think that what was the open, thinking, what, what um, was the open aiding and abetting? There's nothing more than expressions of interest and of opinion well, from overseas. Of interest is the introduction of uh, law sanctioning Hong Kong um, and, 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 and on, on a wider front. Um, so I think that you've got to understand that the, 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 the complete reality, all these dimensions, as I said, I mean, perfection is sometimes is the enemy of the good. I think most Hong Kong people are pragmatic people. So um, um, uh, unfortunately, things have come to pass. Um, and you've got to contend with this reality. I think that uh, very quickly the law will be passed. Um, I, I think it's, it's likely to be implemented before 1st of July. Um, but I think uh, 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 by all accounts, there, are, there will be lots of provisions 
ensuring that some sort of uh, account is taken uh, off Hong Kong's independent judiciary and so on and so forth. But I think at the end of the day, it's the implementation. As I said, that um, well, implementation is more than nine points of the law. Um, I think if, if, if uh, Beijing is not careful, obviously they could ruin one country, two systems. But on the other hand, with the safeguards in place, uh, I think Hong Kong could be you know, entering into a, 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 a calmer and even more productive new chapter okay. for Hong Kong's one country, two system, even to go steady and far uh, and possibly beyond 2047. Fernando Chan? Well, I think that's wishful thinking. Um, I think with this national security law, our security will be at stake. Uh, we are under extreme threat. Um, I say our economy would be um, uh, would go through uh, a ride. It, it won't be pretty, and I don't see the urgency of enacting this national security law at all. I mean, I don't see um, the Chinese regime uh, being on verge of collapse. I don't see any national security being threatened. Uh, I don't see the communist uh, regime is um, losing power. Um, I, I mean, Hong Kong, after all, is such a small city comparing to the, the China, uh, the rest of China. How? I mean, in what way do you see there's an urgency to enact such a draconian law to this state? that uh, we all know that's going to be passed and, and even now we don't know exactly when and there's no details released. We're not allowed to discuss it even in the legislative well, council. Well, Fernando, I mean, Fernando yeah. Chung, this is a time, surely, unprecedented tension or, you know, it's been, what, 50 years or something since there were such poor relations between, between the United States and China. Um, there are separatist, powerful separatist forces in Xinjiang. Uh, there, there are problems in Tibet. You've got problems on the Indian border. Uh, now you've got very severe criticism of China for its trade practices from many of its former allies or something. This is actually a rough time for, for, the, for, for China at the moment. Yeah, well... And those are, those time, are national security considerations. We, we should um, work together instead of um, enacting a law that could put people in jail uh, for uh, behaviours... But or when you say work together, you mean Hong Kong and, and the mainland work together? Yes. Yeah. But now... Uh, look at what the mainland is doing to Hong Kong. They, we, we don't know exactly how this will affect Hong Kong up to this date. Now, uh, yelling a slogan, end the one-party rule, does that um, constitute violation of this national security law? Uh, we don't know. Uh, does the law allow people, uh, administrative power to detain uh, dissidents without limit? We don't know. Uh, does the law al allow central government to enforce the law in a way that they interpret it appropriate? And and does that does, does the law allow them to carry weapons? Uh, can they? In what way do they supervise uh, the whole uh, implementation of the law? We don't know. But perhaps we should get back to the two solid things that it seems we do know and that Andrew Lee has expressed concern about. 
that the chief executive will be able to pick the judges and also that it seems that for some cases uh, people will be able to be removed from Hong Kong to the mainland, in effect, a, a backdoor extradition. And, Andrew, I really wonder why it is that these 120 worthy people didn't apparently raise any of these questions that one of our most respected lawyers has already raised. Well, as I, as I said, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the, the speed which is being pushed through. I mean, all these questions are legitimate, but on the other hand, one has got to realize that um, really Beijing wants one country to succeed, but succeed in a way that doesn't threaten uh, Beijing's security. Um, at the end of the day, turning Hong Kong into another, another Shanghai, or even smaller Shanghai, doesn't make sense for Beijing. Um, but coming back to your specific question about Andrew Lee's concern, these concerns are legitimate, but I think that there is a um, um, slight misrepresentation of what is being proposed. What is now proposed is really, um, judging from experience in the past couple of months or year, there are certain judges, and that's been admitted by the Chief Justice, um, show some kind of a political inclination in the judgment. And there was a recent case of a judge uh, who was prevented uh, from adjudicating uh, on cases to do with this um, uh, protests. And that's been agreed by the Chief Justice. Yeah, and our excellent, right. our excellent series of Chief Justices have shown that they can deal with these sort of issues through the Judicial Code yeah, of Conduct. Yeah, but then, the, 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 as I said, there was a slight misrepresentation. What this proposed is that um, there, there would be um, a, a, a list of, of judges, um, um, uh, well, preferably screened by the Chief Executive and together with uh, perhaps in consultation uh, with the Chief Justice, to make sure that none of them uh, will show any kind of, um, uh, pose any kind of threat um, on these uh, cases, because national security is a highly sensitive issue as far as Beijing is concerned. Um, it, is, it, it does not translate into the Chief Executive handpicking any single judge to adjudicate on any single case. So I think this is quite different. And as to as to whether or not... But you, so, sorry, you, because sometimes... Uh, the example yeah. I just quoted, you know, yeah. just answer the, the point. Okay, so, uh, because this has been explained in terms of experience or, 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 or so on, you need senior judges and, and so on. But you're saying they should be screened for their, for their political views? For these special cases, yes. So they should be asked be what... Because, because mm. not because as a matter of principle. Of course, as a matter of principle, that this is not... This cannot be supported. But in the special cases of Hong Kong, in the light of what has happened, and especially in the light of recent experience uh, and what's happening in the courts, uh, that that so that so, so they should be okay. So they should be screened for. I what? mean, no, a list, not not be screened as to each and a particular case. But no, 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 no. I'm saying, yeah, but a, how would a, they get a, on the a, list? A, a list I'm judges. saying the criteria should include something like politically okay. Politically acceptable. Yeah, because uh, as I said, I not mean, not neutral, but they've actually got to show support. Well, no, this, well, look, I mean, well, do they have I to subscribe to service, uh, Xi Jinping said, thought? Yeah, as I said, I mean, uh, when do. I first joined the administrative service, um, I was completely screened back to mm. you know what what my grandfather did. You know, Sh should they be considered like uh, mainland civil servants and, and be there to serve the party? Well, let's let's face it, all 
judges at the moment in Hong Kong, they've got to, 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 to um, swear allegiance uh, to one country, two systems, uh, and also they have got to be appointed by the chief executive, each and every one of them, up to the chief justice. So on, on recommendation from that uh, Judicial you, Review Commission? Yeah, Judicial Appointments Commission. Yeah, shouldn't that be enough? Why do we, why do we need another list too? I mean, frank, frankly, I mean, I'm, I, it may well be that Beijing wants uh, one country, two systems to succeed. But currently, all they've done really is make the Hong Kong government look like uh, complete idiots and ensure that Hong Kong will be going, falling further down all the international lists of, um, you know, free societies, most competitive societies and so on. Are you, you still really thinking that What's going to happen over the next few weeks is going to be for our own good. Well, I think that the, 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 the test, the test of the pudding is in the eating, as I said, regardless of what is in the in the new law. Um, I think, as far as the uh, what's happening at the moment, in spite of all this, uh, the market seems to be relatively calm, and in fact, the Hong Kong dollar seems to be strengthening rather than weakening. Um, and and a lot of people are adopting a way and see attitude, and that's my point. I mean, let's look at the, um, let's taste the pudding before passing any judgment. And I think at the end of the day, Beijing really wants one country, two systems to succeed. But succeed in a way uh, that one country, two system is not turned on its head, marginalizing the, um, the core interests of the one country to the extent of putting but, but, um, but what is perceived to be real threat um, to national security. But aren't we in the position of somebody who's <laughs> being asked to judge the pudding, but you're not allowed to taste it? You're not allowed to even look at it? Well, it's not any one single person can, can pass this judgment. It's for the collective people in Hong Kong at the end of the day. But no one yeah, is we, allowed we, to see we this. We don't know what the ingredients are. Not even the Chinese <laughs> executives. No one until, until it's on the <laughs> we, table. We, we, might be, we might all be allergic to it. How can you say, I love this pudding, when you're not allowed to see it, you're not allowed to taste it? Well, as I said, because there's a lot of speed happening in the kitchen. <laughs> well, what's the relevance of that? That means you like it. <laughs> well, I think at the, at the end of the day, I mean, the, the chefs wanted to be, you know, to, 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 for one country, two systems to succeed. You, so it's likely to make sure that at least it's... You have to trust the chefs. Being addressed. You have to trust the chefs. Hang on, hang on, let's, let's, let's spin this out a bit more. You have to trust the chefs, is that what you're saying? Say that again? You have to just trust the chefs. Okay, but this pudding is you, this pudding is you're cooking this pudding because a lot of people don't trust the chefs. Well, that's the point because a lot of people don't trust the chefs. Yes, and people, and people are just attacking the chef. So you're going to give them and that's why more pudding. You see? But I think that at the end of the day, there is no way that the, 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 the chef will, will, will cook up something which, which would destroy one country, two systems. It's not to the interest of China. Uh, I'm sure they might not mean to, but without without intending to. They might, well, I mean, uh, another analogy, I remember Sir Geoffrey Howe so long ago when during the negotiations saying that Hong Kong was like a precious Ming vase that be, had to be oh, handed yeah, over. Yeah, from, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it seems now that a few cracks and, and chips yeah, uh, well, uh, have to be tolerated. <laughs> and then there's also a reference about a whole tea, uh, old tea pot as well, about yeah. the, the, the well, kind of the, um, remnants of the old tea being left in a teapot. <laughs> 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 and, um, but I think that, um, uh, 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 as I said, I mean, you've got to look at both sides of the story, um, and, and then really, uh, perfection sometimes is 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 really 
uh, want the answer. OK, well, thank you very much, Lee, for, for joining us, Andrew Lang there. And uh, thank you very much to Fernando Cheng. Some, some emails to uh, finish off. Uh, Andrew Kay says, uh, another bad guest day, still giving Fernando a platform to give his views from the cusp of retirement. Uh, five question marks. Uh, yes. Uh, and... Uh, Andrew F. says, given all the problems with jurisdiction for this national security law discussed this morning, perhaps it would just be simpler to put anyone we're not happy with on an offshore island where we can say our common law does not apply and hold them without trial and without Geneva Convention protections for decades if we want to. You know, like the land of the free and the home of the brave did. I'm not sure what China has planned for us, but I feel that even they would be hard pushed to top the Patriot Act 1 and 2 plus Guantanamo winning combo, says uh, Andrew F., uh, and uh, G says on screening, uh, all appointments to at least high court go through screening before appointment already. Then there, are, it, then it is a question of whether they do uphold the judicial oath. Do we know whether any are members of the Communist Party? And finally, uh, Mike, uh, responding to an earlier uh, email, says, uh, a long email from Kim, chastising Bowen, pushing, pushed my buttons this morning. I don't always agree with Bowen, but I really appreciate his thoughtful input. When the opposite or tangential side of a topic, I want to hear others' ideas. Those of us who have lived, worked and desired to retire in Hong Kong have an interest and a right, as in right of abode, to contribute to and comment on what the powers to be are doing and in our lives. We've watched how the CCP machine... Has has bullied and crushed all those small potatoes that get in its way. Those pontificating on air today are among the frightened that continue to kowtow to the CCP. There is middle ground that thoughtful people are looking for. I am among those. People that object to discussion of ideas and or criticism of unworthy leaders are always welcome to put their ideas forward for all to see. To call someone by name and challenge his or her ideas on their ethnicity is really low class in my opinion. That comes uh, from Mike. Thank you very much indeed for that. Thank you to uh, everyone who joined this morning to uh, Rachel and to to you uh, I think we run out of time so we have to <laughs> drop the uh, last two which have just come in uh, apologies there here's the weather before we go many cloudy with isolated showers it's going to be hot 30 degrees now humidity 76% have a good holiday back on Friday to prevent pneumonia and respiratory tract infection always keep hands clean and wash hands for at least 20 seconds put the lid down before flushing add water to U-traps regularly Cover your mouth and nose with a tissue when sneezing or coughing. Wear a mask and seek medical advice promptly if unwell. Fully cover your nose, mouth and chin with a mask. Visit chp.gov.hk to learn more. 35, the news with Todd Harding. The chairwoman of the Confederation of Trade Unions, Carol Ng, wants the government to come up with a third anti-epidemic relief fund to help those people who missed out in the first two rounds of subsidies. While the government has ruled out jobless benefits for people who've lost their jobs recently, Ms Ng says the government doesn't understand the problems facing people at the grassroots level.